The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are heading into Thanksgiving week. At this point uh, in an ordinary year, we are getting ready to officially boot uh, eight or ten teams off of the playoff potential island. At this point, there are still 31 contenders for the Stanley Cup. 31? Yes. Oh, wait. That's because we haven't started yet. You're right. This is about the time where we would start to see Buffalo fall from first place. Yep. Sounds about right. Thanksgiving, maybe the week after. People in people outside of the greater Edmonton area would start to admit that there are defects with the Edmonton's defense that are going to prevent them from a deep playoff run. Tuka would have already been on a personal holiday. Um, possibly kicked a milk crate or maybe thrown a young defenseman under the bus on national TV. Exactly. Has he blamed Clifton for anything yet? Uh, I haven't heard, but um, I freely admit that I tune him out. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. So with that in mind and the fact that nothing is going on at the moment as far as as far as actual playing time, because this would be we'd be all excited about hockey. What do we what do we got first? Um, there's actually some interesting speculation going on. And since I think it's the thing we'll probably spend the most time on anyways, we're going to start with it. All right. Sounds good to me. Greg Wyshynski, formerly of Yahoo, currently residing in the uh, hallowed halls of the four letter network, um, has uh, put together from rumors he's heard uh, a projection of what this what the divisions will look like uh, in the upcoming season um, and how an ideal season in his mind would play out. I find the divisions kind of fascinating, a little bit weird, but certainly fascinating. Um, and we're going to we'll end with the Bruins division, what, because that's what we're probably going to talk about most um, out here in the East-ish. Um, and we'll just, we'll start, we'll go with the four-team division, since I think that's way more likely than his five-team format. Uh, but out West, <clears throat> Ducks, Coyotes... Avalanche, Stars, Kings, Wild, Sharks, and Knights. I think mm-hmm. we can all agree that that's a two-team race for the top with the Knights and the Avalanche uh, as the leaders. Okay, I can go with that. And <clears throat> Dallas should lead Coyote for that number three spot. Yeah, uh, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be the Ducks or the Kings. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Um, and the Minnesota Wild, if Billy G can pull off a really, really nice ad in the off season. Um, <clears throat> what, is, what does he need? But what does he need to add? I mean, he's done a lot of addition. Uh, they had. I don't know. I, 
they need I'm not ready to rank their draft or anything, but I mean, they need an identity. I genuinely don't think they've had an identity in the entire history of Minnesota Wild. And I say this as someone who has been a fan of mo- of many Minnesota Wild players. I don't know that they have ever had an identity, partly because of the tragic team nickname. Wow. Okay. Let's blame it on the name. I just, I'm thinking maybe on a on more hockey level, I think the biggest thing might have been signing Cam Talbot instead of looking at uh, Cam Talbot's been really good in a, uh, you know, what I like to, the, to call the 1A, 1B role. The, you know, he's, he can be good for a few weeks, but is he a true number one? I don't think so. And they turned and around got, and gave him big money, losing Devin Dubnik to San Jose. I, I, I think that might be one of their problems, unless they, unless they've hung on to, and uh, hung on to uh, Staylock and the, no, Staylock, yes, and they're going to go back and forth because Staylock's another one who, again, I think is is good for weeks at a time, but he's not a true number one. So if you're going to go back and forth between the two, I can see that. But they need to score. They need to find a way. I know they got Fiala who can score, but they need somebody else. They need secondary scoring up there, I think. Defense is okay. They got a, they got strong defense, but. Okay, let's let's review the teams that have won. Uh, uh, Let's just compare this roster to teams that have won the cup in the last decade or so. Is this a team with high-end speed and ridiculously skilled forwards? No. High-end speed? No. Okay, is this a team that will dominate pretty much any team in the league down the center and with their top defensive pairing. No, they've lost. They lost. Um, Koivu and, Koivu and Stahl. Okay. So I don't think they're as strong down the middle as they used to be. Is this a team that has a goalie that has a goalie capable of putting together a ridiculous run? Not merely very good, above average, or something that you're going to talk about for months, but steal entire series. Not anymore. Um, okay. Wait a minute. Is this a team? Wait a minute. A series? Talbot could steal a series. I don't think he's, I don't know that he's going to steal a whole playoff, steal the whole playoffs. Okay. Is this a, okay. Is this a team where regardless of who else is going, they have two or three guys who can just break the the opposition all by themselves. They don't even have to be playing on the ice at the same time, but simply game breaking ability by themselves. No, no Fiala. Maybe, uh, no, no, I'd have to go with a no there. No, it's not Zach breezy. It's not Matt Zuccarella. As much as I like all of a lot of the stuff that Zuccarella has done, um, both there and, uh, during his time in New York, that's the thing with that team. They've got players that I like, but on the they whole, don't have an identity. 
Yeah, okay, I, I see what you're getting at now. All right. And that's an issue. If you Does don't do, know, like, if you I don't like, know what your ideal hockey game is, you can't play it. And that's the thing is they've got different pieces, different things. I mean, like, and I, I don't like use, I, I don't want to use the Bruins as an example, but it makes perfect sense here because the Bruins' identity is that they're they like to be physical, they like to to do a lot of hitting, they like to get in your face. That's what they are. That's what they do. That's what the fans like. In Minnesota, you're right. You've got Jordan Greenway, who's a physical guy. You've got Nico Sturm, who's a big guy, but probably not quite as physical. But then you get Zach Parise. Then you've got um, Matt Dumba. Then you've got Fiala. They, they, they don't – I see what you're getting at now. Yeah. They don't have – not everybody's pulling in the same direction, I guess, as far as style. When you think, when you think of the Columbus Blue Jackets and you're 10 minutes into the game, you can tell whether they're playing, and we'll use the air quotes here, their best game or not. True. Roll the clock back five, six years, Pittsburgh Penguins. You have Crosby, you have Malkin, you have Latang, you have whichever accessories are on those wings. Five minutes into a game there, or as soon as they start to counterpunch, you knew they were playing their best hockey. Chicago Blackhawks, Taze taking things over, Sharp making people look stupid on rushes up the ice, and Patrick Kane practically skating up ice without a stick and putting the puck in the net before anyone even realized he had one. That, that, was, that was their identity. You knew what those teams were capable of. You knew what they were going – you knew as a player, as a fan um, – what it looked like and that there was nothing you could do about it. Um, Jonathan, the LA Kings, when they won, uh, gosh, almost a decade ago now, or about a decade ago now, they were huge team. They were physically brutal. You could not move them off the puck. And you had Jonathan quick making, looking like a manic Gumby uh, in that. You knew yes. when they were on, it didn't matter whether you were on or not because the game was theirs. Well, I again, never... the, the, ahead, that, no, I was just going to say that team again with uh, with Doughty, with with Kopitar, Dustin Brown, and back and and back then Dustin Brown wasn't the Dustin Brown we see in the last couple of years. Dustin Brown then was only scoring like six, ten goals a season, but he was more physical. He was he he blocked more shots. He hit he, everything inside. Yes, he was. But yeah, he was Dowdy, still brutal to Martinez play against. Was, they had they had a physical defense. They had uh, you had Trevor Lewis, Kyle uh, Kyle Clifford. Um, They had it was a physical team that was that was their identity. So I I I get what you're getting at, and the Minnesota Wild just don't have it. Uh, no, they, they're, they're a mishmash. They seem to be a mishmash of pieces, and perhaps Bill Guerin, as the year as the year next year or two go along, he'll be able to zero in on what he wants the identity to be or what the team needs the identity to be. But right now, yeah, they're a mishmash of pieces. Um, 
Dallas Stars, it's going to depend on how healthy they get because we saw we we finally learned that Tyler Sagan uh, was really injured during the playoffs. And I mean, kudos to him for playing through it and actually managing to score a couple of goals um, later uh, later in their run. But if he's not healthy, there's nothing happening there because they're just not that deep a team. Um, moving a little bit he's, further east. He still hasn't had his surgery, by the way. Yeah. Oh, no, Board after. No, wait, wait, wait. He has had his surgery. Good, good, good. Board after surgery, Tyler Sagan laments having to read books. He Are recently underwent right hip arthroscopic surgery and libro repair, so he has had his surgery. Yay. Now he's Yes, bored. there are a few things more torturous <laughs> than having to read books. I know, really, especially since you and I are readers, you know. Shh, don't say that. Moving a little bit further east. You don't want people to know you read books? Yes, it's a dirty secret. I I read them. I enjoy them. I'm sorry. So, so do I. I realize it's a lost art, but it's not one I'm ready to give up. <laughs> All right, moving east. Go ahead. Um, Wish dubs this the Central Division, um, and we'll get to the lap. We'll get to the lap track on that in just a minute or two. Um, <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks, Columbus Blue Jackets, Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, Florida yeah. Panthers, Nashville Predators, Pittsburgh Penguins, wait, wait, St. Wait, Louis wait. Blues, and Tampa Bay Lightning. Wait, 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 wait. You called this the Central Division. I quoted Wyshynski calling this the Central Division. Ah. couple of because problems with his Central Division. I don't, I don't recall seeing Tampa Bay or Sunrise in the middle of the country. Pretty sure that Florida is like surrounded by water. Actually, I do not claim to be the world's greatest geographer. I don't really, you know, that, you know, that thing that dangles down the bottom of the country, you know, that, that Texas, no, the, the one further East than that. Mm, Nope. Can't say I'm familiar with it. Yeah, there's there's a state down there that has this like looks like a tongue kind of I don't know hanging off the bottom of the country that that would be Florida. It's surrounded by water. Oh, so I'm still trying to figure out how that works as central because I'm pretty sure central is landlocked type area. Just as a thought, I don't know. There could be a river running through it or something. But well, this probably came from the league offices, but okay. Oh, okay, that well, then that explains it. All right, different. Map. I mean, this division is really sort of mushy, and aside from Tampa Bay, I was can say, you pick the playoff teams in this? I think you got with this one. You got Tampa Bay at the top. St. Louis would probably be your second team, and then you've got. Nashville, Pittsburgh, Columbus. Yeah. Fighting for a third spot. Yeah. I mean, that may actually be the most competitive division in this alignment. 
I'm being. I mean, I still expect Tampa to very nearly lap third place, much less fourth or fifth. But um, that's 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 what you have. The question this season is who would finish last because Chicago. It's not going to be that strong, especially in net, if they're relying on they're relying on Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban to be their goaltenders. That that could be an issue, yeah. The Red um, do have Jonathan Bernier. They do have um, they do have uh, some young defensemen. They brought in a couple of guys to shore up the D. They brought in uh, Bobby Ryan to score goals. It, they made some moves, and they got Troy. If I'm not mistaken, they were the ones that got Troy Stetcher. Uh, that does sound right. Yeah. So, Eisenman, that actually could be a battle for who doesn't finish last in the Central, in the new Central. <laughs> the temporary Central. Temporary. There we go. But yeah, Tampa um, Bay is pretty much the 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 bell of the ball in that division. Oh yeah, they're they're the 800 pound gorilla. Um, now all of this is predicated upon uh, international health issues preventing uh, easy travel over the over the border, and of course the all Canadian division. Uh, so that that one is uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. Um, I think we can all safely put. Calgary and Toronto in whichever order up top. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then it, gets, then it gets a little harder to parse because you can make legitimate cases for Edmonton, Whoa. for Vancouver. Oh, yeah. For Winnipeg. And probably even for Montreal. I mean, the only team you can say in that division that probably isn't going to make the that isn't going to make the playoffs is Ottawa. I would I'd be inclined to agree this season, although they they got younger at goaltender. They got Matt Murray. Uh, I don't and note I didn't say better. I said younger. Yes, they got younger at goaltender with Matt Murray. Uh, They don't feel that. Now I can't remember his name. I know they got Hogberg up there, and, and they don't feel that he's ready to be a number one. Um, but as far as the youth on that team and what what Pierre Dorian is doing, I, I, he's going in the right direction. I mean, clearly they've got Melnick tied up in, in, a, in a closet somewhere. And muffled. I mean, the only mistake I think he's making is that they haven't re-signed Anthony Duclair, and I'm hoping that that becomes a benefit of a certain home team. But to be quite honest, the moves that he's made over the last year or starting with the 2018, 1819, 1920 draft, you bring in Brady Kachuk, who, okay, I wasn't a huge fan of him when he was at BU, but clearly he's improved his game because I didn't think he was that special at BU. I didn't see it. I. I watched probably eight, ten of his games. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I never saw a game where I thought he was the best player on the ice. That said, he is a much more physical hockey player than college hockey prefers to allow. That's true, too. Which, 
probably which probably bodes well for him being an intelligent player who will adapt over the course of his career as he starts to slow down in his 30s and whatever. He's got a long way to go to his 30s, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's not even 20 yet, is he? <laughs> I believe or not even 21? He might, I believe he might actually be 20 or 21. Uh, I am confirming that on my own right now. But unless unless something really strange happens, like you only end up playing your division for the season, and that would be brutal and fascinating, I, I can't I cannot see a path to the playoffs for the Ottawa Senators. Not yet, no. I mean, if that, if that happened, I think that they are they have enough physicality that they could win roughly half of their games against Vancouver and roughly half of their games against Edmonton and probably about the same against Montreal. But I still don't know if that's going to be enough to get them into the playoffs. I mean, because Toronto looking, and Winnipeg and Calgary are going to run them over. Yes. But just looking at this, okay, he made another mistake. Uh, they got Alex Galchenyuk. Apparently they wanted to get Topper. So hey, They still need but, to add Phil Castle to complete the pair. <laughs> Brady Kachuk is, he is legal to drink. He's 21. But if you look at their roster, okay, they've got a 32-year-old in Artemis Nisimov. they got a 31-year-old in Evgeny Dadanov. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, I'm sorry, Anders Nilsson. That's the other goaltender that they – Anders Nilsson is 30. Everyone uh, else is under 24? Everyone else is under 20 – nope, they got a 29, 20 – everything else – mid-20s. Colin White, 23. Yep. Good forward. You've got uh, – they brought in Austin Watson. Talk about wanting to get tough. Uh, he's going to be a good third, fourth-line guy for them. You got Brady Kachuk, Logan Brown, Drake Batherson's a good young kid. Um, and then on defense, you got Thomas Shabbat. You got Nikita Zaitsev. They brought in good Branson's a good defenseman. It, it's a decent team. I, I like what Pierre Dorian's done. I'm, I don't want to admit it, but I kind of have to. <laughs> I we I mean we've talked about for the last year or two of all of the teams who are towards the bottom of the league, which one we'd most like to take over as a general manager. This was it. this one. It's yeah. been this one consistently because yeah, they, they are building right. Whatever else, whatever the other Legion or two of issues that franchise has had. And in some cases continues to have, um, the roster is being assembled right for a good five, six year window once these players get close, to, once the core players get co- get close to their peak, they've got 44 out of 50 contracts signed, 22 out of 23 on their roster filled, and they still have 12 and a half million dollars in cap space. Yeah, they they have all the room <laughs> they need to make whatever movers maneuvers make sense, um, to tweak this roster. And no, and not handing Pierre Dorian GM executive of the year, but you got to at least throw his name in the hat, depending on how they finish. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Which uh, brings us to the new East division or the temporary Ah, East division. Temporary East, yes. Which, as we've already figured out, eliminates the Montreal and 
Toronto divisional rivalries for at least a year and brings back the Carolina Hurricanes, um, the Flyers, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, and the Caps. Wow, both New York teams. And and Washington and Philly in that division. Okay, so... In, in like, the late 80s, early 90s, this would have been a 70-plus penalty minute a game division. Oh, easily. Especially the Flyers, the Bruins. Uh, or or Flyers, <laughs> Rangers. I mean... Flyers, Rangers. <laughs> it, it, it would have been... It, it would have been grotesque by modern standards of hockey and admittedly modern standards of physicality and hockey are just a bit squeamish. And the trouble I have with this division is that Boston's not guaranteed a playoff spot. I don't know. Well, In this I shouldn't division, say that. The Capitals, no one's guaranteed a playoff spot. You can, you can safely say that the devils are the worst team in this division. Most likely. Beyond that, no idea. It's going to matter. It's going to come down to who's healthy, who's hot, and that's it. Bruins, Hurricanes, Capitals are battling for the top spot easily, and the Islanders. I mean, you got four teams straight off the right off the bat that are. Yeah, and that's without the Rangers being could, a bad team. And we haven't established if they are a bad team. I mean, they've done some. They made some moves. They've they brought in some players. The only trouble is they still have Chris Kreider. Yes. <laughs> who, uh, at one point, someone on this show who was not named Mike wanted. I never wanted Chris Kreider. Uh-huh. Don't even go there. Uh-huh. All right, then go back and listen to the shows and you tell me which show it is and I will purely episode admit. episode 37. Really? Yep. We're going to go back to episode 37 when this is done because I want to hear it. There is no such thing as me wanting Chris Kreider. <clears throat> no. Uh-huh. So, okay. Problem with is they this got division, That's who I wanted. But. With this division, mm-hmm. it, it real, you can really only eliminate two teams from the playoffs. Buffalo and New the Jersey. Devils. It's sad that we got there at the same time, but okay. <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Capitals look like with uh, their new goaltending arrangement. Uh, yeah. Um, Samsonov is going to be. Because that could cost them a playoff spot. Particularly in a shortened season, which we're all expecting at this point. Samsonov is. Uh, and Hanky Panky. And oh yeah, King ha- King Henry. And King Henry is already, uh, without saying it, has already come out and said that he plans on, on on, fighting for the number one job. I don't <laughs> but know. Don't the, worry, they have Copley Phoenix, uh, no, buried Phoenix in the Copley. minors that they could, or Phoenix Copley buried in the minors <laughs> who they could bring up. They have traded to reacquire this man like twice. It sounds weird, no matter how you say it. Phoenix, Copley, Copley, Phoenix, either way. <laughs> but, yeah, he's still around. Um, and when they call him up, he's... Uh, eh, okay, I guess. 
the question is, is their defense still as strong as it was? They brought in they, – they, they've obviously got John Carlson. And Orlov. And Orlov. Dmitry Orlov is, is pretty good, but – Is their defense as strong as it was? The answer is no. Is it they brought in? They brought in Justin Schultz, another offensive defenseman. Uh, Brendan from, Dillon is a newish arrival, and I want to say – Brendan Dillon, Trevor Van Riemsdyk from uh, – Carolina, who at eight thousand dollars for the next season is probably a pretty 8, good 000? price. Eight hundred thousand. Oh, eight thousand would be fabulous, but I don't yeah. think he'd be playing. Um, yeah. Defensively, it, this is a weird division because there's no. I'm certainly not cl- declaring that Washington is going to beat the Bruins. I'm certainly not declaring that the Bruins are going to beat the Island. I mean, this is a, you mentioned this would that be a slugfest. Yeah. Like this is going to be a, who did it and ran and, and they're the ones that are actually going to make the playoffs. Because you have five teams who could or should be in the playoffs in that division. And then you've got the Flyers, whoever, I mean, do I like their head coach? No. I know you don't either. Oh, she's my favorite head coach. Episode, one ninety, episode 197, I will have to remember that one. He is my favorite coach named Elaine Vigneault. Okay. <laughs> Elaine Vigneault. Uh, but you look at their roster, and, and yes, they're getting older. Giroux is 32. Voracek's 31. Kevin Hayes, uh, Ram Reemsdyke, they're an older roster. That's why they've got a Vigneault, because Vigneault is not good with changes on the fly. Uh, he, he's less of a coach, more of a manager. And it makes sense, because they've got an older roster. But you've still got Couturier kicking around. Scott Lawton's a, a good third-line forward. Uh, Nicholas Obey Kubel uh, kind of showed up in the playoffs. Decent defense. I mean, there's still a good roster, and Carter Hart and Ned is is still well still viable. Yeah, I mean, he's a young he's a young player. We don't know how this disruption to routine is going to affect him. We don't know how it's going to affect guys like Lundqvist either, who are. Uh, possibly no longer in the middle of their career. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, Carter Hart at 22. I mean, he, he's still, he's still, he's better than Brian Elliott, although they hung on to Brian for, to, for backup purposes and that's fine. I just, I, I, you can't pick one team ahead of the rest. No, I, I used to say who I think would win this division because I just don't know at this point. I still think there's going to be trades. There's still going to be there's still players uh, that some of these teams need to sign uh, who will will shape the balance. Um, at this point, um, Washington only has 11 forwards signed. And the elephant in the room for this team is. Alex Ovechkin is 35 years old today. He Mm -hmm. hasn't slowed down. And this is his last season under contract. Wow. I don't see him going anywhere else, but 
yet we didn't see Logan Couture going anywhere else either. I mean, he's played 1,152 games for the Washington Capitals and the NHL. Um, He's got 1,278 points in that time. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's won a bunch of Rocket Richards and uh, a couple of Hearts. He could go to Russia and play. I think... There are exactly as many teams in the KHL um, that are that are playing as would let him onto their roster, regardless of who they had to move. (laughs) Yeah, because at this point, he is the biggest name in hockey, not born in North America. Leon Dreisaitl is creeping up on him. You can make a case for a couple of other youngsters, but Alex Ovechkin has been doing doing it well, really, really, really well for a really long time at this point. And when you score 48, point, 48 goals in 68 games, even on a eh team um, at age 34, yeah, people still know who you are. Now the fans in Buffalo are not going to be happy that we're we're already eliminating the Sabres from playoff contention. Even though they did sign Jack Quinn and add him to a very young uh, roster. But the question, I, I mean, the the thing is, when I look at their roster, it's There's still a whole lot of show me. You brought in you brought in Taylor Hall to play with Jack Eichel because you wanted to show Jack Eichel that you're committed to winning. Yeah, you're committed to winning. You've still got Jeff Skinner who can still score goals when he's uh, healthy. He's a hell of a player. Victor Olofsson was a good looking rookie uh, until he got hurt. And I mean, I have- think I think when you go through the roster here, their forward group is definitely better than their defense, which. I don't think even the organization would well, argue. They did add Colin Miller, so come on now. Why haven't Why hasn't the Stanley Cup parade been scheduled? I mean, we haven't scheduled the season or the playoffs, but just schedule the parade. Colin Miller is that guy. Not not Rasmus. Not not the the dueling Rasmuses. No. You know Rasmus what? Dalian, I, I think there's. Rasmus I think there. I think. Buffalo and the league probably have a secret deal where they left a zero off of Colin Miller's contract because yeah, he's, he's that good. Wow. Yeah. They also brought in Matt Irwin. Okay. See now that's just not fair. (laughs) If you're going to go getting all of the former Boston Bruins players, (laughs) just so that you could have a playoff roster. (laughs) I mean, do we really count Irwin as a, former Boston Bruin, he played like six games with Bruins. Was it like six? He was terrible, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wait, I'm no, sorry, it was two. You're overselling it. It's two. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, and then a, not that it's a great start, not that it's a great stat, but he was a minus five in those two games. <laughs> he was pretty good in Providence, though. <laughs> 
the scary part is when he went to Nashville, he actually was a good defenseman in Nashville. You think that they might have been masking him with, you know, guys like, I don't know. Anyone else on their roster? Roman yes. Yossi, um, Matthias Ekholm. Uh, Literally anyone else on their <laughs> roster. <laughs> you think there might have been a little bit of a mask there? I don't know. I, I think that... And that all, was the mask being hauled away. Yes, it was. In, in, in all seriousness, though, I'm thinking that... It, Buffalo's issues are still the same issues they had last season, and it's right there in the blue in in the blue paint. Carter Hutton and Linus Olmark. As much as I thought Linus Olmark they're was ready to backups. be a number one, they're both backups. And yes, they've got Uko Pekalukunen, and I wanted to get his name in because I like saying Uko Pekalukunen, but he's not ready to be a starter either. So right now, your issue is still what do you have in net? Can can Carter Hutton steal you a series? Yes, just like Cam Talbot. He's, he's one of those guys that's good for a few weeks and then he starts having issues. It, when he was a backup behind uh, Pecorine, excellent. It, it, when he was in, in St. Louis as a backup, really good. That's how he got the, the contract that he got from Buffalo. But in those cases, he was doing it from the backup role, and now you're trying to throw him in as a number one, and it's not there. And Linus Olmark, as much as I – and I've said I liked Linus Olmark a couple of years ago, three years ago when he first came up. I was like, you know, this is it. He's got a – this is the guy they've been waiting for. But he hasn't shown it either. So you've still got the same issue in net. You drafted good. You got Dustin Tokarski down in the minors in case you need to bring him up. But they're not solid in that, and that's going to be their number one issue. Their entire back end is uh, soft. Okay. Soft. If you say so. And I do. I think they got some decent defensemen. I mean, when you can, like I said, when you can tell Colin Miller and Matt Irwin. You can... Absolutely. But I know. Ristolainen, much maligned in Buffalo. The fans up there don't like him for whatever reason. They're all a bunch of, uh, I don't know what. You got the other Rasmus Dahlin, Henry Yokiharu. I still like him. Still young, 21 years old. Well, if they they really want Ristolainen gone, how about they trade us Ristolainen and a second round pick and we'll send them our favorite uh, our favorite Boston defenseman. Sweeney's not going to do it. He plays on the right side. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, getting that second-round pick would allow him to hold on to yet another prospect instead of actually going out and filling the roster. Yes, but the trouble is... Okay, Sweeney just doesn't draft well. <laughs> But he could hold on to that prospect until they're like 32 and, and, you know, talk about how how he's making strides and really, really developing well. And, I mean, it would be sad to see John Moore go. Yes, it would be. But I did, who who was that kid that we drafted in the second round? I don't even remember his name. That's sad. Lozon? No, Carlo. no, no. This year, this year. Oh, yeah, exactly. You can't remember his name either. Don't try to admit it. Or don't try to deny it, I should say. 
Um, no, I don't remember. Ma- was that Mason Lowry? Mason Lowry, the yes. Third round? It was our first pick. It was in the second round. I'm pretty sure. Um, yes, Mason Lowry was the first pick this year. Uh, number uh, number 58 overall. Should then they drafted like number 158. Trevor, yes, Trevor Kuntar, who I also never heard of. And then Mason, they they drafted Mason Langenbrunner because because well well Jason is like yes. nepotism Jamie's you know. son or yeah yeah, yeah. and then well, hey the Red Wings did it too they drafted Chris Draper's kid and then to round things out they drafted Riley Duran who I honestly don't even remember them drafting I may have actually I may have turned it off by then. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, wait. I remember, I remember talking about him because uh, he's a local product. Oh, okay. Uh, playing in the USHL this year in three games, he's a minus three with four pims and zero points. Yeah, Ooh. I just, I'm sorry. He just, it's not. He just, I don't know. He just doesn't draft well. I don't. I don't know if it's he doesn't listen to scouts or I mean, I can't imagine the scouts are. Or maybe he just hired bad scouts and doesn't know it yet. Ah, there you go. So, yeah, uh, to bring it back. Yes, this division is going to be uber competitive and it's going to be a dogfight. OK, what else is there for us to talk about this week? Ah. Uh, well, I, I, not that I'm trying to stay on the same topic, but real quick, you'd said something about a, a five division, and they actually have a five division bandied about here, but you still got Canada, then you got Northeast, Southeast, Central, and West. The problem is, all you've done is narrowed down the number of teams, but now you've got to try and figure out how to divide 16 playoff teams from five divisions. Last time and I checked, obviously the five, five. Obviously the five division winners. Okay. Um, probably the number twos in each division. That okay. will give you. That'll give you ten. And then, yes. And then if you're still doing the east-west split or whatever, assume it's an east-west split. Do then you, you have six wild card teams. Same as you really have. Well, you have you four wild card an, teams right now. But you can't do an east-west split because you got northeast, southeast, central, west, and Canada. There, there is no division. There, well, there's no. Well, there's no conference split. But uh, just assume. So after you take the five, after you take the, so top the two five di- division winners, the five division winners, the five number twos, you take the next no- six best best teams. Okay, that I can see. Just after after each of them, just in. Well, maybe you just take the five division winners and then the next best eleven teams, which is probably going to eliminate whoever's in the West. You would have one team from that Western division, and and just to just to clarify things, you are not in favor of twenty fourteen playoffs. <laughs> I find myself in remarkable and rare agreement with uh, with uh, Gary Bettman, who Wyshynski states uh, wants to return to the 16-team format, uh, be, which is probably the closest that Bettman will come to admitting that the pretend-offs were awful. 
but were they off? Were they necessary? I mean, they were they, awful. Yes, they but were was probably it necessary? necessary for vote buying uh, from the from the league uh, from the league's owners uh, to get the to get the um, playoffs restarted, to get the CBA, and to get the just to get some TV revenue. Um, which brings our next topic right in because the players are a touch aggrieved that less than six months ago they sat down in uh, what they describe as good faith, negotiated a new CBA, mm-hmm. and ownership, here's a shock, is asking them to give back more money. No. They already, they already took a pay cut. They're asking they are for, not. They're asking for, uh, ownership is asking for as much as 16% more. 16%? More. Because they already took a haircut on the CBA for this season. This is honestly uh. way more what I expected from the NHL and NHLPA relations. I thought it was too good to be true over the summer when they, you know, sat down, they got their back, they got their return to play hammered out. They got the CBA hand, uh, hammered out at the same time and they did it faster, looked more professional and like actually mature adults or, you know, at least teenagers who have stopped having so many pimples on their face um, in the process and made the other leagues look bad. <sighs> it's nice to know that I was right because, well, here we are. With a labor dispute about to break out. Well, I got I, the story I found, and it's Justin Cuthbert uh, on Yahoo Sports, and it's basically the same thing without having too many percentages in there. Uh, apparently, Elliot Friedman says that the the souring negotiations, uh, the players felt angry and betrayed. After the NHL asked that they take on more financial concessions than agreed upon in the deal, broke it around the original return to play, as you said. Uh, the NHL laid out two options, according to, well, according to Friedman, the NHL laid out two options for the players to address the financial losses that have been proven to be grossly underestimated. Uh, first was to raise both the deferral payment percentage and escrow for this upcoming season, meaning that the cuts would be more significant but limited to this season the league to get back on its feet. The second option was more significant ask in upfront deferral pay and for escrow to be raised a few percentage points only in the final three years of the six-year deal brokered over the summer. Any of that, either of that, make sense to you? Um, basically what we're hearing here from the player's perspective and possibly from, and a little bit from my perspective as an outside observer is, Hey, we don't actually know how to do math. And the projections that we made were all the least scary ones. Uh, but now we've, um, now we've been plunged into cold water and parts are retreating. Um, so we need you to make it up to us. And that, but they're putting a, it's all in the escrow system, but the players all just feel that it's forfeited wages. Well, That's what the thing is, is 
with the way the escrow works is, with the leagues, uh, with the league and the is, I would have to go back and look at the CBA, but the players don't actually get that money unless the league hits certain revenue, uh, certain revenue levels. Oh, so yes, in so it is forfeited wages then. It is forfeited it, wages unless there is a miraculous turnaround in safety. Yeah. Well, the the problem is they're not going to get to those numbers if there's nobody yes. buying tickets. Nobody buying tickets. Nobody buying jerseys. Nobody buying pop, popcorn and beer and beer at fourteen dollars for a twelve ounce <laughs> can. Yeah. No. Fourteen dollars. Is it really that much now? I, it's been a while. <laughs> It, it might as well be. And if it's not here, it probably is in New York. Maybe less. Several players have already already received money in the form of a signing bonus that would exceed the deferral targets. Is the fact that a small minority of players only recently based on the escrow system finalized over the summer. Uh, and the story has an example. Alex Petrangelo, 56 percent. Of his total salary strategically backloaded into the final three years of his seven-year deal in an effort to minimize the escrow penalty and maximize his earnings. So, yeah, I I don't like this. I, yeah, I don't I, like it. I don't like it as a fan because whether it's right now or at the end of this at the end of the CBA things are going to get really ugly between the two sides again mm-hmm. and have- even if the players make these concessions which I'm not saying they should even if the players make these concessions we may well be looking at relocation for a couple of teams or theoretically even a team folding Ugh. It, I mean, we haven't seen we haven't actually seen a team fold fold in over half a century, so that's extremely unlikely. Uh, particularly with uh, hope in the form of uh, the products of Pfizer and two or three similar companies, um, likely to hit uh, likely to hit the world in say February March for the or- for the average person, um, but. It's it's a possibility that you can't ignore if you understand the league's finances and just general revenue. I'm willing to bet that for most franchises, TV money is more than ticket money. But even without but without the ticket money and without the concessions money and without the and without the advertising for their full 41 home games, uh, yes, mm-hmm. there's there's significant losses. I mean, negotiations are you know there, there's two parties. What is the, the the NHL is asking the players to basically forfeit salary? What is the NHL forfeiting? I ha- I haven't heard their, anything on that. What is their portion of this? I mean, are I, they? I mean, I think the, I think the owners will say, "Well, we get to stay in business, or we get to actually break even." Um, but you guys each own a franchise, 
to do that, you're supposed to have already proven a certain level of fiscal competence. That's yeah, I guess you're that's what I'm getting. You're supposed to have is... accountants and econ and economists and people who can project actual worst case scenario instead of sort of bad scenarios, which seems to which sounds like what they used. Um, and that's assuming that's assuming that those projections or the new projections that they're trying to push uh, for adjustments to the CBA on are real projections and not just a land grab. Okay. Because, yes, I, just, I, I do think there, there are owners who would just go for the land grab. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> and the one here in Boston doesn't like the The one here that owns the Bruins doesn't like to spend money. In fairness to him, he's probably the owner that's been hit the hardest by uh, by this whole situation. Um, Delaware North does concessions in hundreds of arenas across the country and the globe. And at the moment, he's not making money from any of them. Or at least none of the ones in North America. It depends. If he's in football stadiums, I mean, there are stadiums that are letting... Uh, outdoor sports, soccer, football uh, in Europe, no, they're not letting fans in. But here in America, there are they are getting a small percentage of fans back into the stadiums. Although with the recent um, uptick, they may be scrolling that back a little bit. Yeah, I just I I, I don't want to see this turn into something nasty, and then we're stuck with another lockout season and. Or a strike season. I did. Six years. Six years ago was it? Two thousand fourteen. Two thousand. Uh, I think it was fourteen. The strike. Uh, the uh, lockout shortened year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, still too soon. I don't want that happening again anytime soon. <laughs> what you don't I, want a forty-eight I, game season because um, the owners. Are the paying odd, the league, uh, playing paying the players less than any other league? Aren't we already paying the players less than every other league? Yes. Ah. And uh, a lot more risk for serious injury than you know, basketball. Basketball. Baseball. <laughs> yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. But yet they still. Uh, yeah. I just I, I I'm trying to think of a way, and it's going to take some time. I'm going to have to sit down and mull it over, and I don't have a plan that 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 would work. But there's got to be something out there that there's, there's got to be some way of, of making this work that isn't going to completely screw the players in this deal. Um, uh, maybe I don't know go with the agreement you had in place oh hey there's an do idea do better next time do better next time okay wait a minute who's doing better next time owners need to think ahead and maybe you know find other ways for revenue just a hunch um Oliver Ekman Larson ah yes OEL 
Still in Arizona. Still in Arizona. Yeah. According to his quotes to the media, he's happy to be a coyote. From what from what it is, seems like, he never actually wanted to leave uh, Arizona. Which makes which makes sense. I mean, he's effectively grown up there. Uh, he's been there his entire adult life, uh, mm-hmm. his entire NHL career, um, and the team is on the rise. He's he has to have made friends with players, with staff, with uh, with locals. There's really no – it's not like the team is still terrible. It's still not a great team, but there's there's reasons for hope. Okay. And that yet being- there are people asking if, the, asking if the door is closed to Boston still acquiring them. Aha. And based on what I read from your favorite writer – Mr. Joe Haggerty, the door is not necessarily completely closed on this move. Yay! Uh, according to the trade was never consummated. Reportedly said they were no longer willing to waive his no waive his no trade clause. Everybody assumed that things were dead in the water, but apparently he had some uh, comments in an interview uh, with Elliot Friedman, I believe it was. No, was it Friedman? I want to make sure I'm quoting the right people, but he wrote, I knew I had some interest. I knew Boston had some interest in me before I signed my contract here. That was one of the teams I felt I want. I felt wanted me and showed interest in me. And I spent a lot of time in Boston when I played in Portland, Maine in the lockout year, 2012, 13. Oh, well, there's my answer for that. So I was familiar with the city and I liked it when I was there. So it sounds like Boston is okay. Boston is okay, but he doesn't necessarily want to move. But then he turns around and says that that's a question for GM Bill Armstrong. Not much I can do about it. Um, uh, He's leaving. uh, Ekman Larson's leaving further trade situations up to the GM. There's not much I can really do about it. I'm just trying to stay in the moment. I know everybody says that, but I really had a good off season. I worked out really hard to show that I wanted to be here, wanted to get better, and hopefully that transfers into the stop on the ice. I feel really happy that I am here, but if that day comes when they ask again, I will deal with it then. So it sounds okay. like there is a, a possibility. Okay. There are the two popular reads on this one would be he's absolutely committed to staying in Arizona, which I didn't quite read. He's going to Kessel the situation and not demand a trade. He's going to not demand a trade, but basically make it known that he doesn't want to be there. It sounds like he wants to be there, though. That's the impression I'm getting. Um, my my take is the third route. 
I think he's somewhat ambivalent. That's a possibility, too, if he's willing to let the GM make the decision for him. Because if Armstrong comes to him and says, you know, 10 games into whatever the season is going to be, look, the rest of the team isn't isn't performing. We want you to win a cup or two while you're still young enough to do it, and we can't rebuild fast enough for that. Boston is still interested. Will you wave your claws? I think he's probably going to say yes. Yeah. Now, if they say to him, hey, uh, Detroit is willing to send us four first-round draft picks for you, he's probably going to say, uh, no thanks. Because, well, Detroit he's done isn't that good. I was going to say, he's, he's done... He's done the bad team thing before, you know, <laughs> he's done the bad thing team before, and there's no need for him to have to remember how to shovel snow in the winter uh, again uh, versus staying in Phoenix if he's going to be on a not on a not great team. And quite frankly, if Detroit trades their next for four first round draft picks, it's going to be a long time before that team is any good. And those quotes that I read came from an interview with Craig Morgan, not Elliot Friedman. My apologies. And apologize you should. I, I, I have. I just, I, I, I get the feeling that Ekman Larson is a little ambivalent. I think he wants, every player wants to win. I think he wants to before he, and he's played for what eight ten years now. I mean, before he's yeah, done, he's, he wants to win something. He's not in the starry-eyed first two or three seasons of his career. He's done the grind, right? And that's why he wouldn't go to a Detroit. He's going to go somewhere like a St. Louis or a Boston or even a Vancouver that showed they have the potential to get back there. Uh, the other team that would actually be super interesting to add him to. Oh, goodness. Not that I can see them finding the salary cap space, uh, even less so than Vancouver. It's Colorado. Everybody, they want to send everybody to Colorado. I, I know. Now you're jumping it, on the it's, got, it's gotten a little tiny bit cliche at this point to send everyone to Chicago. Uh, to well, that's where Colorado. Taylor Hall was supposed to go. It, 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 he would be a great fit there. Everybody would be a great fit in Colorado. The thing is that, yes, Colorado has decent scoring up front on multiple lines. What they need is, is more durable defense. You've got young and old with Eric Johnson and Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard. Yep. You've got uh, the, the, whether you want to question it or not, the goaltending stood up last year. The issue was whether, whether either one of them could stay healthy at the same time, but when healthy, both, when both healthy, performed. both of them performed well. Uh, that was everyone moving to Colorado. Philippe uh, Grubauer and uh, Frenzos. So it, it's – they've got all the makings of a team that should make a long run into the playoffs. Yes, he would fit there. Everybody fits there. That's mm, – Not everyone, but yeah. I don't think that Radko Gudis would fit there. 
<laughs> no, I, I, I honestly don't think Dougie Hamilton would fit there either. And I think Dougie Hamilton is a pretty, is still a pretty valuable uh, NHL player. They've got a younger, better Dougie Hamilton and Cal McCarr who plays more defense. Um, I, yeah, not, no argument there. That's right. I, sure, just talk over me. It's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, no. Keep keep talking. You're good at talking over people. I, I try. Uh, let's see. We had one other story, I believe, that we were going to uh, bite into this week. Um, oh, Islanders. Uh, there's a story that was put out this week by uh, Drive for Five. Uh, about the Red Wings and Islanders. It, the title is Detroit Red Wings and New York Islanders are perfect match. Um, this is by David Lazar. Uh, the Red Wings can help the New York Islanders. They have ample salary cap space and a hole on defense and a history of acquiring assets along with bad contracts. The fit is perfect. The Islanders are in trouble and the Red, ki- Red Wings can save the day. Okay, salary cap. How are they saving the day? By taking some of the old and uh, well expensive-ish players, so that the so that the Islanders can re-sign Matt Barzal. At present, the Islanders have under four million dollars in cap space, and I don't think either one of us believes that uh, Barzal is going to is going to sign for three point uh, for three point nine. And even if he did, that's not very much space to move players around uh, at need in in the season. The the Red Wings, on the other hand, do have over nine and a half free. Um, And some of the names that the that are brought up are Johnny Boychuk, who's got uh, 12 million remaining in salary. Uh, over the next two years, Thomas Hickey, who's got five million remaining over the next two years. Um, I'm not sure that Thomas Hickey moves the needle enough to uh, actually at, at two and change to actually sign Barzal and still have wiggle room. But assuming you could move Boychuk and that it was a good idea, uh, and bearing in mind that I don't recall even hearing his name once during the playoffs last year. Um, or the pretend offs, uh, if we must. Mm-hmm. Assuming you can move him, and it's a straight salary dump or a move for a pro- move for prospects in return, that mm-hmm. that's a that's a significant enough move to make it worth it, as long as you're not having to give up the far. Well, if they're going to, and and I'm not in a in a in a position to speak for Steve Eisman, but if you're going to want me to take a Johnny boy, Chuck at 36 years old, uh, there better be something in it for me. So either you're sending me, mm, I don't know, uh, young players or draft picks or both. Well, I don't think you're going to convince the Islanders to part with Kiefer Bellows. You might See, get a carpenter out of them. See, you're already you're already 
ending the negotiation before it even starts. Uh, you guy, want me to you I, want me to take you want me to take players off your hands that are going to help you get better. In the meantime, I'm just getting older. You need to. Detroit doesn't have me, a viable defense. They don't even give me some even inducements. Can't even pretend that Detroit has a viable defense. And Johnny Boychuk doesn't make it viable. You want to send me Scott Mayfield? Awful. You want to send me Scott Mayfield? Absolutely. Boychuk I'm all in. Some less awful and gives you an on ice coach. They already did that when they brought in Mark Stahl from the Rangers. Mm, maybe. Who's and better what defensive? Was, what was the content of that trade? Mark Stahl. It was pretty much a hockey trade. I don't remember who they got for Mark Stahl. It wasn't that big of a trade. I, I thought it was straight up, or it wasn't necessarily straight up, but it was not huge. Mark Stahl to the Red Wings for, oh yeah, future considerations. Yeah. <laughs> um, a player who I might consider... Gun. As 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 a as a useful return is uh, a gentleman who made his name many years before he was drafted um, with uh, some of his trick shots. Oliver Wallstrom. He's had a, he had a good AHL campaign last year, 22 points in 45 games. Mm-hmm. But in his nine NHL games, he got uh, Bupkis. Okay. Um, so if the trade were Boychuk and and Wallstrom for, I don't know, Wallstrom was a first round pick, second round pick. Wallstrom, uh, Wallstrom was a first round pick. Um, that might be a little tougher, but uh, if it were those two for yeah, a second and a third. Second and a third. Hmm. Because you're gonna, you're probably going to be able to hold on to Wallstrom for a number of years. For a second and a third, Detroit has multiple picks next year at both the second and third round. I might do that. I, 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 not walking away at this point. So, yeah, I've got three. But if, I think if that's I'm, if I'm Eisen, I've got three second round picks. I've got two third round picks. So, I'm not hurting myself in the early rounds as far as the draft is concerned. But I, mean, I think that's about the trade that you're going to see. If 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 something should happen. And is this is this actual is this just uh, is this just a, a fan site coming up with an idea or is there anything uh, behind? No, Dave Lazar has been around a while, and that one's my idea. But if the but realistically, with under four million, there's no way that Barzal is being signed by the Islanders until. No, 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 absolutely not. It's just not going to happen. Certainly not for more than one year. 
Leo uh, Kom- what? See, they, he's suggesting Leo Komarov is. Uncle Leo to Detroit. Uh, I think he'd probably get frustrated and probably end up. Sus- that's what I'm thinking. And that's why I think boneheaded. And I like Leo Komarov, honestly. The second round pick would be fair compensation for Komarov or Hickey. The Islanders just received two second round picks from the Avalanche for Devin Tays. Oh yeah, and they got the and Colorado got Devin Tays. And oh, Colorado doesn't need Oliel, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, but they could send Devin Tays and whoever else back to back to uh, back to Arizona. <laughs> yes. And if the Red Wings want Boychuk, a first round pick could be in play for Johnny Boychuk at 36 years old. First round. Well, no. they didn't say going which way. Oh, OK. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if you Boychuk believe it's a straight up, round. if you believe it's a straight up salary dump for a player who's not going to play or not going to be useful. You might have to give up as much as a first-round pick. Okay, get rid that of makes sense. All right. Um, but if it's if you're trading, actually, if you're trading younger assets that people haven't given up hope on, um, I think it's I think it but, looks more, much more like a pure hockey trade, assuming such a beast exists. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I would think I would think it would have to be it, it, in order to get Eisenman to move on. I think it would have to involve young players. He's going to because he's trying to build that team. So I don't I mean, Boychuk, uh, Boychuk only played in three of the playoff games last year. Uh, so that's news to me because I didn't think he actually made it into any. But he played 64 games last year. He had 11 points. Um, that's not terrible. It's certainly not his peak production, but it's not terrible. And I I think you'd see on a Detroit team where he has to play more, has to, because there's not much else there. Mm -hmm. He might crack 20 points again if he's healthy. And whatever injuries he had last year, have had a lot of time to heal. If they were to acquire him, he would a be he would a be the oldest defenseman on the team. Yeah, because it would be Boychuk, then Mark Stahl, uh, then you got Danny DeKaiser, who's thirty. Troy wow. Stetcher, John Merrill is only twenty eight. Really, John Merrill's only twenty eight. He's another that's one of those still, guys. That's still, I mean, no, <coughs> that's still a middle-aged uh, or higher defense when you get those four together. Yeah, no, their, their youngest defenseman is Philip Ronick at 23, but yeah. take him out of the mix as the outlier, and the rest of them are all... Uh, your average age on defense is probably in the neighborhood of 27, 28, actually, because you got a 36, a 32, 33, a 30, a couple of 28s, and a 26 in so, yeah, their defense is older, even by hockey standards. I, 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 he, I don't know that he'd play 20-plus minutes a night, but on that – With on that, that defense? Mm. I don't know 
how many of them could you ask to play 20 plus minutes a night? Like I said, Mark Stahl is 33. <laughs> Alex Biega is 32. I mean, realistically, uh, I don't even know how you order that order that defense in one through eight. Troy Stetcher is a top pairing defenseman on that team. Probably. What if you put Stetcher? Pretty young, pretty healthy. Put Stetcher with like uh, I don't know Danny DeKaiser or something. That's probably your top pairing. Either that or Stetcher and Nemeth. No, Nemeth's not a top pairing defenseman. Yeah, yeah, it's. You're gonna have to, and it ultimately comes down to you're gonna have to somehow sweeten the deal for Eisman to take it, is what I'm. So you have what you said, Stetcher and De- and DeKaiser as one pair, and maybe Stahl and Boychuk as another pair. And then your third pair would be John Merrill and Patrick Nemeth. They're two May left well defensemen. They got a lot of they got four or, left defensemen on that team. I mean, if you're trying to build for the future, you have to get Ronick out there. So you put Ronick with whichever the next best left defenseman is. I don't know who's better, Merrill or Nemeth. Money-wise, it would be Nemeth because he's getting three mil and John Merrill's getting nine hundred twenty-five thousand. But I mean, Hironic is actually having a pretty pretty snazzy year uh, over in Europe. He's a solid. Um, I mean, offensively, he's having a pretty solid year. Uh, eleven points in eleven games for Hironic uh, Kralov in the Czech extra league. Um, and then he's played, uh, three international games, uh, in the, for the EHT, uh, one goal, one assist. Hmm. Wow. He's a half, he's a, he's a half point. He's almost a, he's a half point per game player in the NHL to begin with. His minus 48 stems from the fact that he's playing on a bad team. <laughs> uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> so, yeah, Philip Ronick is a, is a solid offensive defenseman. I don't know. I, I think that they could make it work. There's, there, there, there's certainly some uh, issues to be worked, hammered out, but... I think there could be something to work out there. Okay. Anything else on the table? Uh, my notebook. No, we're all set. Very, very good. good. Yes. Okay. Then ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening. Um, go ahead and share the show with your friends, your enemies, random people you meet on the street. Oh wait, we don't meet anyone on the street. Get a mask printed out with uh, Two Man Four Check podcast. Um, that will give you a conversation starter, um, and you can keep wearing it back to uh, when society is reintegrated and we're allowed to be within arm's distance of people again. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time. Have a wonderful week. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week here in the U.S. I hope everyone finds a way to have a satisfactory, safe. Uh, and enjoyable holiday. Um, Take care.